Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Stephen the Warman Writes Kickfighting Podcast Show. I'm your host, Stephen the Warman. Uh, you are listening to this podcast in one of three ways. Either you are at my blog, which is lordgaul.podbean.com. I try to, I will once again try to have episodes up on a regular basis. Uh, the other way, of course, is uh, if you entered into uh, the iTunes search engine, enter Stephen the Warman Right into the iTunes search engine, and I also pop right up there. I am also on. Um, uh, excuse me, I will soon, soon be on Spotify uh, just to make sure that I get that that extra option in. Uh, and I'm also on SoundCloud. So thank you guys so much for your patience. I've been gone for a long time. I've been working on a lot of video projects. I'm going to start dropping them next week. A lot of kickboxing and Muay Thai videos just to display the, 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 the sport that I love. And then I'd look at the time and i go, man, do you want to get a podcast in? And then i go, oh, I'll just like, and I just kept dragging and dragging and I never got back to it because I felt like I wanted to sit down and put some actual time into it. Um, but I realized just getting content out, out on a regular basis is best for the kickboxing and kickfighting world. So I'm going to do my best. Uh, also, I'm going to change the format up a little bit. Basically, what you guys are going to get from me is weekly, I'm going to try to get back to doing the show once a week. Um, but the episodes will change. So one of the episodes will focus mainly on I really want people to see um, uh, what's going on in the fight world. I, I usually try to have results all the time. But then one episode, I'll say, hey, let's look back at a great fight from the past, from the era that I really fell in love with kickboxing and Muay Thai. Uh, I'm going to start adding guests. I'm going to start probably next week with having my first uh, official guest uh, in a long time um, and uh, start doing that a little bit more. Uh, I'm going to do state of the game uh, today, but I'm going to try to bring that out a little bit more regular so people know what's going on. Uh, I'm going to also have a week where I focus on stadium Muay Thai. Uh, just, I'm going to bring up results, of course, throughout, but I'm going to talk about specific individuals and who you should like and who you should follow. Um, but mainly I just been thinking about it. We are actually doing pretty good. You know, I'm going to go ahead and jump into my state of the game, uh, breakdown. As far as having regular events and kickboxing opportunities, we're doing pretty good, you know. So, like, uh, I'm looking all over. I'm starting to see stuff pop up in Italy regular again. Here in the U.S., where, of course, MMA is much more popular, the amateur kickboxing and Muay Thai scene is growing greatly. Like, uh, there's a lot, a lot of events, tournaments all the time. Um, those are really, really... Uh, good because they develop what's going to be the future. You know, uh, one championship announced that they're coming back here and um, they're coming here for the first time in May in Colorado. Uh, also, um, Glory Kickboxing, it's looking like they're going to return to the U.S. Uh, they've got their next show planned in February in Germany. So they're, you know, being consistent again. You know, we're, we're finally starting to consistently move out of the COVID era. And of course, the COVID era will be marked by stadium shows with no audience you know uh, uh glory at least moved theirs into you know a studio warehouse for their shows but uh one championship still rented out the big stadium and just kind of did the show there in the, the cage so i'm really excited that i'm seeing a lot of opportunities for people and a guy posted it online and i you know i, I eludes me right now in the moment who it was but he said it's a good thing we've got one championship because there are Muay Thai guys who are really, really good that the world knows better because of one championship. Like there's an excitement for it. And he's exactly right. I would for sure say Rod Tang is now one of the top three names in the world 
you know, when it comes to kickboxing and Muay Thai. Everybody knows that's the the madman who punches himself in the face, who eats your offense, who has that a super aggressive, uh, you know, hand speed and power, and he walks you down, and uh, he's all action, you know. You take away the few fights where, you know, the, the, the weight issues that kind of came up. Skill-wise, this guy is, he's everything that you want. He's, he's the show. He's probably the most most watch or most must watch TV guy in the sport right now. So definitely awesome stuff there. Uh, I'm excited to see what's coming from him. Uh, excited to see what's coming from one as they on a regular basis are having elite level ties come over and get the opportunity. The thing that I'm curious about moving forward with one championship is what happens when the top of the order looks like the top of the order in the, the tie stadiums. Uh, if the top of your, your champions are all high level stadium champions, uh, you know, you're, uh, uh, elite, you know, elite, elite guys, your Pompeiacs and so on. If those guys are all your champions, will that draw people into it because they're your champions on a high level? Or will people go, well, it's the same guy, same style. I don't know if I'm into it as much. I'm curious to see what that's going to look like. You know, uh, I think it's the thing that made K1 so popular and so successful in its heyday. Number one, it seemed like it was, at the time, the best option to make money as a prize fighter in martial arts. So if you, you know, had a gym, or if you did martial arts, you, your your highest goal before was just opening a gym. And then you could have fights, but you weren't going to make a lot of money in those fights. And then when they started to drop that six-figure purse on the K1 World Grand Prix, and then the Max you know, World Grand Prix, that was the first time people were like, wow, you can make money in this game, you know, like you can, you can get a check. Now, of course, mixed martial arts has exploded, you know, since then. And that's the other place where people would really get a check or make a check. But I look at that time period, and I think, okay, that was part of it. The money was part of it. But the access was the bigger part of it. You had your regional tournaments all over Europe that led to a uh, European Grand Prix that led to an elimination round that led to a, you know, um, uh, K1 Heavyweight World Grand Prix. You had so many options to see the guys throughout the years, you know. So uh, Bonjowski, when he won the title, I'll never forget, he won the USA tournament, and that was three wins. He'd actually lost right before he did the tournament, but he won the tournament, that was three wins. He won the elimination round, and he beat Bob Sapp, who was, you know, recognized at the time. That was a win. Of course, there was a disqualification there uh, after he dropped. He was on his way to winning before the disqualification. Um, so then he had that. And then he had the K1 World Grand Prix run where he had two awesome knockouts. You know, uh, Ciro Dibi um, and uh, uh, was it Peter Graham? Pretty sure it's Peter Graham. Uh, Peter Graham, then Ciro Dibi. Uh, and they were like back-to-back awesome this is the kind of guy you want to see. Then Musashi gets to the final, so people are all excited. Musashi pulled off upset over Peter Arts, uh, and you get all excited to see um, these high-level elite guys, you know, the best chance for a Japanese fighter since uh, Shitoshi did it, like, years ago. Uh, excuse me. Um, yeah. Yep, I'm pretty sure that was right. Um, that was, he met, I want to say he met, was it Peter Arts in the final? Well, I can't remember. So anyways, uh, but, Masashi was the first in a while to get, you know, that far as a Japanese fighter. Bonjowski won it. So what you just got was three wins in one night, the elimination wins, and then the wins before it. So that was seven fights, seven ways that we get to see him. That's how you create a star. You know, like that's how you get to see them and you have a, you get the, on a regular basis, you get to see them. That's why tournaments are so big in kickboxing. You get to build your name throughout the year. And of course, back then it was winning the year. Now it's winning the title. But 
Flash forward to today uh, and one championship, they have the pool and they've done a few tournaments. The problem is they do their tournaments over months, so it's hard to keep the audience engaged. Uh, injuries happen, you know, replacements happen, people, you know, um, all over the place, like move all over the place. That's just kind of how the game is. Um, but I look at it and I go, okay, at least they've got Maraca Gorian, you know, uh, who's a uh, Belgium and, you know, Trenton Holland. And then you've got uh, um, uh, Alazov, of course. You know, we, we've got uh, Superbond. You've got um, Sidichai. Like, you've got high-level ties. You've got high-level Europeans. Uh, clearly, you know, you want to get somebody representing the Americas, whether north or south. Um, that would be the next step. So the big kickboxing model that I described in Europe or in uh, K1 in the I'd say 97 to 2002 range they had stars from everyone you just look back Peter Graham Australian Cyril Beattie French Drum Better, France uh, Peter Arts Holland Ernesto Hoost Holland um, Switzerland for Andy Hoog um, these are uh countries that that produce high-level kickboxers but because they did it they produced a group of young people that watched those stars on tv and then they later wanted to be that they later became that and that's kind of the hope for all of kickboxing that your you know your um new generation or your uh um your young generation would see the stars of today and be the stars of tomorrow. And that's kind of what our hope is for, you know, what's going to happen with one championship. They've got to make sure that even though they're Asian based, that they are not specifically just uh, looked at as Asian. You know what I'm saying? Like as, as um, this is only for Asian stars. They've got to sign more European stars. They've got a couple, got a couple, got some Russians coming in. They got some some good, talented uh, athletes, you know, so I won't throw that away. But, man, it, it, is, it is one of those things where I am excited to see what the future holds. But in order for them to sustain it and become that next level, man, we really got to get more international flavor at the highest level. So I'll give you an example. Glory Kickboxing. Heavyweight champion, Rico Verheven, Dutch, okay? Uh, uh, Sergei Masaboyev, uh, who just won the title. Uh, shout out to Sergei Masaboyev, who is the first guy when I was working for Glory. He's the first European guy that let me sign. And I'll never forget talking to Core uh, to um, Cor Hemmers about it. I was like, hey, I truly believe this guy could be champion at light heavyweight. Uh, so I was really, really excited to see that he finally got that opportunity. Uh, but yeah, here he comes, uh, repping Lithuania. And then you've got Donovan Vise, who is Dutch, but of course he's uh, Syrianese. And then you've got Andy Semelier, who just won the title, uh, who he did over um, uh, uh, controversial. I mean, I can get into it a little bit. Most people who watch the fight, and again, I'm just kind of going off of thought. Alem Nabayev won. Alem Nabayev, uh from Azerbaijan, uh, Russia. He's he's from that area. Um, he uh, super talented guy, super talented young man. Um, I thought that skill wise, Alem Nabayev was the champion. Like just for my personal opinion. But I look at it. I look where things are. I look where the state of things are. Uh, I've got no problem with Andy Similier. The thing I like most about him, 33 and one, win over Superbond. Main thing I really like about him is he 
grew up seeing the stars above him and he became the star of today. That's what this game's supposed to be. The other stars for glory, Pex is from Thailand, Chijama uh, Bastadi is from Morocco, trains in Holland, and then Tiffany Von Seuss is American. That's good diversity. That's what you want at the top of your championship level. You know, you want that from the best of the best guys that you have. It's extremely important. So the main thing I would focus on for all today's athletes and, and um, all today's fighters is all today's fight promotions is that they reflect the world. And in kickboxing, we've got so many world titles and we don't have enough titles that reflect this means to me, if you're the best in the world, that means when I look at the rest of the best people in the world, you've got a resume with them. You, you beat them or you fought close or you lost. But overall, you've got more wins than losses against the highest level. That's what's so important about a K1 in their prime. That's so important about glory kickboxing. That's what's so important about one championship. You've got to have guys who've got resumes over good guys. That's how you know what reflects the best in the world. That's, that's why the UFC is so popular. You know the person who's the best in the world there is likely the best fighter in the world at those weight classes, uh, no matter where it's from. And you saw what they just did in New York. They had a guy from, you know, uh, Nigeria slash, you know, New Zealand fight a guy from Brazil in a main event in New York. That just shows what happens if you promote it well, you do it the right way, you build stars, you build excitement. This one, of course, had a kickboxing storyline going into it. But like, that's how it happens. They are, and they're in the minority there, them in, in boxing. They're one of the few people that can have an international star or few sports that can have an international star uh, represent and sell tickets in the USA. Because of course the UFC brand is the most important thing. But like that is amazing that they're able to do that. And that's kind of the hope for this next generation of athletes. One championship has done a lot of good things. Um, They've got a lot of good fights. They've got a lot of good fighters. Uh, they do shows on a regular basis. All that is great. But to gravitate and capture the the kickboxing audience throughout the world, they've got to see a reflection of themselves in your in your cards a little bit better. Uh, so that's the next step for, for one championship. Um, but all in all, the consistency, the regularity, the exposure, uh, one championship's doing a good job of giving athletes a lot of opportunities. Glory Kickboxing, moving along as well. They are um, doing a good job of mixing the uh, Infusion, you know, and the Rival series uh, with their big cards. Um, you know, they, they kind of got back in the second half of the year, I'd say since June or well, I'll go since, I'll say since August, they've had three major shows and that's important, you know, in a very small period of time. Uh, I don't need a billion shows. K1 in its heyday did, you know, they're big eliminations, so they had European Grand Prix, they had two USA Grand Prix, thanks to like a, a, a casino deal, I believe they had. That's why they did two shows there. Uh, I remember Michael Jordan go to one of the shows. I remember thinking, uh, one of my roommates was a basketball player when I was in college. So when he saw Michael Jordan at a K-1 event, he was like, what? Jordan's at K-1? <laughs> it was one of the funniest things ever. But back in that day, they had the two USA Grand Prix shows or, uh, or tournament shows to get you in the elimination. They had the European elimination, or your uh, the European uh, tournament, they had the J Japanese tournament, um, they had an Asian tournament. So you've got six or seven major tournaments, uh, I'd say six, and then you have your elimination round, and then you have your K1 World Grand Prix, and that's not including the lightweight guys who had a elimination round, uh, they had super fight events, and then they had their K1 World Grand Prix. So in the end, I'd say overall, 
K1 and its height as a brand was probably producing 16 shows in the year at the heavyweight division. They are probably producing eight shows in the year. And I think that that's good. I think that that's, you know, I'll back it up. I'd say they probably did 14 shows in the year in their heyday at their best. So for Glory to kind of get going again, they've got multiple weight classes. K1 had events with the weight classes. Glory has, a, you know, uh, um, excuse me, I'll clarify. K1 had heavyweights, 155 or 154, max weight division. Those were, the whole event was that weight class. Uh, they did a couple of experiments with the lighter weight classes through the uh, 2000, or through the uh, late 90s. That's what made them go with Masato. Glory, right from the beginning, been trying to establish these weight classes. One women's division and then featherweight, lightweight, uh, welterweight, middleweight, light heavyweight, and heavyweight. So they have a much bigger pool of talent to get fights for and get fighters for. Uh, so I understand that and the difficulties for it. Uh, but I really do think that if they can get themselves to a 10 shows, eight, yeah, eight to nine shows a year, I think that's a successful year. Plus with the rival series, uh, Infusion, it's kind of like the uh, what K1 used to do when they would lease out their name for local smaller events to do tournaments for them. That keeps the, the the build of the brand. So all in all, I think that, that you know, Glory's in a good spot. There, things have changed for them and I'm excited about what's going to come from the future. Because in the end, I think 170 and up, they for sure have the best reflection of talent in the world for sure uh and their women's champion has got a victory over anissa mexican and that's extremely important because mexican mexican is super talented uh you know she's clearly trying to win the one championship belt to kind of add to her collection she's trying to be the greatest of all time she's in that argument for sure um i definitely like her resume more than all the great elites that came before her, uh, just because she's so much shrunk. So Julie Kitchen was awesome. Uh, you know, of course, um, Jermaine Durandami. Those girls are all awesome, but they haven't beat the level of girls that Tiffany has beaten, that Van, you know, uh, Maxon has beaten, that uh, um, uh, Iman Barlow has beaten. Iman Barlow, shout out to, she just won this past weekend. Um, their era is better. They have better talent. So, I'm excited for what's going to happen. I'm excited for her eventually meeting Janet Todd. We're in a really good spot with some of the athletes that we have uh, in the kickboxing and fight in the fight world. So shout out to them. Shout out to what Glory's doing. Uh, K1, and this will also work, work me into my results-based thing. K1's having a huge year, okay? They decided, you know, about four, five years ago to switch their brand from bringing in international talent to developing talent uh a guy i can't remember his name did an absolutely brilliant write-up on kickboxing uh and k1 and he talked about how back in the day you know when people said k1's dead k1's dying uh then of course you get takuru the big superstar to help it he goes it wasn't just simply that but it was you can now only fight in kickboxing so like in America, if you want to be a play American football, because I know I got European people in here. Um, so you want to get to the National Football League. You you play successful high school football, and then that gets you a scholarship to a Division One school. Uh, and then that Division One school, if you succeed there, that's like uh, from eighteen to twenty two, you're one of the best football players in your you know um, uh, uh, position. And then you get drafted into the NFL. But the system is made to take you from high school to college, to the NFL. You're groomed into it. 
that's pretty much what K1's doing. They are getting high schoolers doing events like they, you know, with the Koshin event, that kind of stuff. Then you kind of get into the brand. Then you start working in the smaller systems of kickboxing. And then you get the opportunity to fight in the highest level. You work your way up and you stay in it. So not only did they have that, but they had the most important kickboxing fight. And probably, I'd say since minimum, since... Oh, man, I'm trying to think of a comparison off the top of my head. Uh, when this first came up, I had some examples. Um, but, you know, I would say Bronco Sikatik versus Ernesto Hoos was important because that was the first K1 World Grand Prix. Uh, I would definitely say the first meeting, uh, man, I would definitely say Bukau and uh, Masato too. That was extremely, extremely important just because it was, you know, Masato, the way he had lost the first one was so one-sided. Uh, and the fact that he went into the tournament, he said, my goal is to beat Bukau. That's everything. So I'd say the excitement and the feel for that one was extremely, extremely high. Um, I would say, you know, even though it didn't have the crowd fair, the importance of it, of, you know, Super Bonds and Petrosian, most people still feel that Petrosian is, you know, the greatest of all time, and they take him over anybody. So for Super Bonds, and I just win, but to put a stamp on it, that was an extremely important fight. Bukau versus Petrosian won. It's more significant in reflection, but not going into it. Um, Tenshin Nasakawa and uh, Takuro with lead up and everything. I'm starting to look at it. I'm starting to feel more co more confident. It is probably the, the most important fight in kickboxing ever. Um, and that comes, you know, I mean... For sure, Rufus uh, uh, had some, you know, important fights when when uh, Jeff Rufus or uh, Jet was like one of the best in the world. So I don't want to discard the 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 waist high kickboxing rules fights that got him a lot of uh, attention. You know, like that's he definitely had some big time fights in the nineties. Uh, you know, he met you know who's back in the day. Um, but I still think that the whole overall build up for this one. The fact that we saw it coming for a while, the fact that both guys kept winning separately, the fact that they were able to financially work it out, the fact that they did a stadium, the fact that they filled it, uh, the lead up to it, the build up, the video, the walkout, um, and the fight had its moments. The fight should have been five rounds. That that for sure works against it. But man, it was special, special stuff. You 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 see what the sport could be, and that happened this year. So when I do what's the most important events of the year, like when I do that sit down, uh, when I decide that, I think I'll probably do it first week of January when I go fight of the year, vanity or whatever. This is not close, not in the, not even a, a question. Tenshin Nasakawa versus Takuro was the most important fight. So K1 being a part of that is huge. And the opportunities that it opened up, the fact that they still have regular stars. Takuro is still trying to figure his stuff out. His financial, uh, his K1 arrangement just ended. So now he's trying to figure out what's his next move going to be. Super talented guy, but he's a draw. And some people are like, is he going to go to one championship? Tang did the call out. But other people are starting to think and lean. It makes a lot more sense that this young man would just be his own fighter and do his own pay-per-views in Japan. He's that big. He could bring in whoever he wants. He's that talented of a guy. I'm curious to see if he could pull off a boxing model on himself. Now, for the health of kickboxing, I would prefer us to have everyone under the banner of a promotion. But that might work out extremely well for him. Also, 
and I'll go ahead and jump into some of the results. The uh, inaugural Bantamweight Championship was uh, started by the K1 World Grand Prix in Osaka that just happened two, what, two days ago from me recording this. I'll go ahead and go through some of the results as Tomo Kuroda gets a victory over Issei Ishii on uh, extra rounds, but decision could have gone either way. I really do believe that Issei Ishii is the future, so they do this next year. I pick him as the favorite. Uh... This was a close fight by two high-level guys. The thing I really want to give Tomo credit for is, man, did this young man have to earn it. He did not. Nothing came easy for him. First round, he gets an extra round unanimous decision over Yodzilla. Second one fight, he gets a majority decision uh, over uh, Kazuki Maburu. Uh, and then he gets the very close decision over Issei Ishii. Ishii came in with definitely much more of a violent feel. He gets a TKO stoppage over Oscar Bahuorquez. Uh, and then he goes into the next round and very clearly gets victory over Koji Ikeda, uh, looking very good in the process. So it was a close back and forth, but I, uh, Toma got the, the, uh, the edge in the scorecards. I'm glad this happened because it sets up a fight for down the road. You want stuff like that to happen. You want uh, a victory, and then you want someone to come along and get better and get the victory back down the road. You want rivals. You know, it's it's one of the things that makes Peter Arts one of the all-time greats. Peter Arts has got a 3-2 uh, series lead over Simi Schilt. Simi Schilt, of course, you got to consider him. If you don't have Simi Schilt in your top five heavyweight kickboxers of all time, I don't care how much you like or dislike this guy. Your list is wrong. He is an all-time great. He should be on that list. And Peter Arts has got a 3-2 victory over him. Or three wins to two losses victory over him. The reason why that's special for me, it's because it's after Arts' prime. Arts is not in... Arts had won his K-1 World Grand Prix more than, you know, 10 years before their final fights that just shows how special this guy is and you know when they did meet you know most of the time it was tournament he was injured and so on but i look back and i go art is special for that art is special for getting more wins over Simi shield and Simi shield's prime as opposed to arts's prime that stuff matters but it also matters that they've been fighting each other for a long time like you look at the history of the sport and to see them have resumes against each other throughout the years is important for the reflection of kickboxing we are a rematch sport so if tomo kuroda and Ise Ishe can be that for the next 10 15 years for people to go into it like they were for the Bocao and uh, Masato when they were they were interviewing people on the street who do you think is going to win who do you think is going to win Tomo Kuroda uh Ishii Ishii if they can be that feel you know what I'm saying that who's going to win Bocao Masato who's going to win Ishii or Kuroda you are really really building the sport well so shout out to them uh, a couple of other results um uh, Tato Gunji gets a victory over Wang Zhongzhang. Uh, that was a majority decision. Sina Kareemian. Carlos Budeo, uh, Budao got probably one of the worst back-of-the-heads disqualifications that I've ever seen ever in my life. Sina throws a head kick, gets his leg caught in the rope. The ref clearly steps in and waves for a halt in action. Carlos, maybe because of struggling with him earlier in the fight, maybe because of, uh, you know, just overall, you know, difficulty with the guy, maybe frustration. He clearly sees that the leg's caught in the rope. He clearly sees that the ref's there. He, you know, hulks up, 
pushes past the ref and sends a shot to the back of the head, then kind of responded like, oh, what did I do? This is an extremely unfortunate situation. I do not know what's going through his head at this time. Uh, I don't know if this is anger. I don't know if it's frustration. It just, it is so obvious. That's the problem with it. It's obvious. It is clear, super clear to me that these young, that, that, that this was a foul with intention. So I don't know what the interview process was for him afterwards. This is the kind of thing that if K1 never used him again, it would be well well merited. That was a horrible, horrible foul. Uh, Kina, uh, Kina gets a victory. Uh, Miramoto gets a victory over Ore Dos Santos KO in the first round. That left hook is cracking. Basically, she scored a big time left hook. Oro uh, Dos Santos was so shaken from it, she's like walking around staggered. And then, this is important, corners, don't do this. She could have got back into the fight. The ref, she's up, the ref's talking to her, but she starts talking to her corner, and then she walks over to her corner and puts her hands on the ropes. It's almost like she, you know, and she's still talking to them as the fight is waved off. If she wanted action, she could have turned and fought, you know, looked at the ref. So I can't discount, she, she was done mentally. But there's also a chance that, you know, the corner is distracting her by giving her a lot of information and she's trying to figure out what it is. She walks over to him. She's already not all the way there. And because of that distraction, the, the, the loss happened. So I won't rule that out as a possibility. But, you know, moving forward, I really do believe that uh, Kenan needs a, a bigger opponent. She needs a big time uh, name. She needs a Von Su. She needs a Mexican type name added to her resume she's very good she's got very good wins uh she's got a good look she, she feels like she wants to be she says she wants to be the masato of k1 she wants to be the takuru k1 she wants to be that kind of draw that's what we need in this sport um a couple of other uh akira um uh, akihiro kaneko gets a victory over kilan korhapak that was very nice ko there in the third round uh, masashi kumura gets a victory over um, ishmael al kochi uh, ko on the first um excuse me in the second round and then probably my favorite of the stoppage i mean i, I won't Yuki Ogawa getting a victory is also awesome. Of course, he's got K1 resume, uh, K1 championship tournaments in his past. Uh, Jum Thong uh, Shawatana uh, gets a very, very smooth KO over Marito. People forget how old Jum Thong's probably 16 years past what his prime prime was. And this this brother's still doing it. Uh, Yuki Yoza looked fantastic against uh, Ak, uh, excuse me, Apricart. Um, Yuda Shinohara gets a victory over Hiroki. Uh, Akira Jr. gets a victory over Hisaki Kato. Uh, came back. Kato, of course, known for the back and forth that he used to have with Joe Schilling, where they met in MMA. He gets stoppage. They met kickboxing. Joe Schilling's killing him. Then he does spinning back fist, gets a KO. Uh, crazy, crazy stuff. He ends up fighting Jr. here. He gets a good start. Akira Jr. turns it on later. Gets a stoppage in the second round. Fun stuff there. Uh, final fight I'm going to mention in this card is the upset victory over by Stefan Letesco over Mom, uh, um, Mumod uh, Satori. Undefeated Satori, who I believe was 13 or 14 and 0 at the time. Um, Stefan gets a very, very clean... Uh, 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 excuse me... Satori, I'll back it up. I won't go to the finishing. I'll talk about the first knockdown. First knockdown, Mamad Satari is pumping a jab, and Letescu gets a read on it, and he sends a counter right hand, uh, followed by a left hook. That gets him the first knockdown. Satori isn't there. He backs up. He shoots a right hand. 
Stefan is quick as a, I mean, I mean, one of the sharpest left hook counters you're ever going to see. Snatches a quick left hook behind the right hand, scores heavily. Our scores gets him in trouble, finishes it with two more shots. Big time win, big time upset uh, for the Romanian. I'm excited to see this young man's future. And I want these two to fight again. It's what you want in the sport. There are fights, and I look in the history of kickboxing. I mean, you look at Mark Hunt and, and LeBanner. One guy can get stopped. The next guy can get stopped in the next one. That's what makes this sport so great. Uh, definitely a good show by K1. And, you know, consistent shows, consistent tournaments, consistent youth development. If we can just get them back, the biggest step for K1 is getting an international name back. Uh, maybe that's not their goal at all. But man, it would be huge if they just did, they only have to do a lot. Just do three events. Do one event in Europe. Do one event in USA. Do one event in you know China or whatever. Uh, you could do the other eight events in Japan, but still really, really good stuff. I'm um, going to go ahead and uh, I'll talk about some of the one results before we wrap the show up. Um, super like it. Uh, Kit Moon 9 gets a victory over Pompeyuk by split decision. Uh Super, I mean, two high-level elite ties fighting at the top. So I was talking about before. Will they draw a crowd? Um, really good stuff by Tigero Kila, uh, Kalilov over um, Chirov. That TKO uppercut with the... It's one of the coolest uppercuts I've seen because not only did he get him hurt with it, but he shot a kick as he was on his way down. Very stadium stuff there. Uh, violent, violent victory for Kalilov. Um, Laura Fernandez, one of the best full rules Muay Thai fighters on the planet. She doesn't have the elite win, but she's got wins over good girls. She gets a split decision victory over Dan Kalfa. Very, very good. Excited to see what her future is going to be. Uh, also, one championship had a mostly MMA card, but Kitchen and... Uh, um and what was it uh kitchen and jackie bunton had a fight on it i was trying to remember if there was another muay thai fight outside of them i don't think there was uh but first of all it was good opportunity for jackie to get recognized before usa audience to get to her skill set she's probably got one of the best left hooks and all of women's fighting. And I'm curious to see what would happen if she fought uh, Nissa Mexen. I, I just want to see it just because she's got the hand speed. Um, now, unfortunately, she missed weight for this. You know, she's five pounds over. Uh, they decided to change it. Amber Kitchen always down the battle, doesn't matter what. Uh, and just um, the hand speed was a problem for Kitchen. Kitchen playing the tie game. Jackie Bunton, shout out to her and her coaches. Not only do they have a good full rules Muay Thai set, but her hand speed and her boxing really really makes her she could be one of the best kickboxers on the planet uh now of course it's good that she's you know got the relationship there because she's filipino and and them doing the, the the events but man is she a talent and hopefully you know she gets the skill set together so she she can do a little bit better in the rematch when she fights for the title again down the road but she has every skill and every skill set so i'm gonna go ahead and wrap the show up right there uh i've been gone i apologize we're doing good things we're doing good things in kickboxing. And I know people are a little discouraged. I know people are wondering, you know, because of mixed martial arts is doing so well with the UFC brand right now. But not just that they're doing well with the UFC brand. It's also extremely, extremely important to note that the, um, the fact that kickboxers want to go to MMA. The fact that they, like I said, they just sold out Madison Square Garden with the glory fight. You know, with... Izzy, who was a glory kickboxer, 
Peoria, probably the, the greatest all-time uh, glory middleweight. Those guys have battled in kickboxing, but when they battled in MMA, it was a huge deal. It was a big deal. We have the ability to create international stars. We got to keep working as a group to get consistent television coverage in as many, you know, television or streaming coverage in as many places as possible. If we get a Netflix deal, we can do shows regular. That's a dope. That's win. Uh, you know, one how one championship has something with uh, Prime. Those things are good if Glory can do that, if K1 can do that. That's the next step, getting that back because they had it before. Glory had the TV deal with Spike. Glory had, you know, other TV deals, ESPN for a little bit there, uh, the um, UFC Fight Pass. They had great opportunities. They had great deals there for sure. Um, K1 had pay-per-view deals uh, with USA. We got to get ourselves back there. And people were just talking about, I think someone posted that next year will be the first time ever uh, that some of the streaming or one of the streaming providers for um, K1 is going to allow itself to be to give access to USA or to do, to give access to international streaming because right now the uh, it's only embedded to be for Japanese audience. It's huge that they're opening that up. That's what we have to have next. Like that's the future of the sport. So thanks to everybody's listening to the podcast. Get on me about it. If you see that and posted a podcast, send me something like, yo, Steve, what's going on? I thought I was getting a podcast. I want to get back and get regular to pu- to pushing the sport that I love so much out to all the masses. Thank you guys so much. God bless. Thank you for bearing with me. Get this podcast. Share this podcast. Send guests that you want me to interview. Uh, They got to be English speaking, of course. And I'll do my best to keep getting this show out there. Thank you guys so much. The War Man Kickfighting Show is back and I'm not going away.